So in our story for today, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming and he points at him and he says, Look, here's the Lamb of God. And his two disciples, Andrew and and some other guy, they're really curious and so they go after Jesus. And Jesus notices that they're coming and he stops and, and asks them, he says, What are you looking for? That's a good question. Well, they respond to Jesus with a question of their own. And they ask, where are you staying? I think it's their way of saying, well, we're looking for you. Uh, We want to know about you. Uh, A few weeks ago, Scott asked our confirmation class a similar question. Uh, He asked, where are you from? Now, my standard answer to that question has always been, born and bred in Western North Carolina. I'm from the mountains. I'm a mountain man. But Scott said, don't rush your answer. Think about it for a moment. And so I did. And I realized that my answer is actually quite complicated. I was actually born in Ithaca, New York, so way up north. Uh, Mom and Dad were at Cornell University and they were studying the Indonesian language with plans to go straight away uh, to be missionaries in Indonesia. And so I was born into that. I was also born uh, with certain allergies like to animal hair and animal dandruff and um, uh, certain molds that are prevalent in Southeast Asia. So they had to hit the pause button on that and uh, we moved to Hot Springs. Um, So I'm from Hot Springs, North Carolina. My dad pastored three churches there. Back in 1967, um, in the heat of the Civil Rights Movement, uh, serving with and uh, loving mountain people in in the midst of that time. I'm from Yuma, Arizona. Uh, We lived out there on an Indian reservation. And then we made it to Indonesia, Palembang, Indonesia. I rode a water buffalo once, and I learned to love durian, which is an Indonesian fruit. It's about the size of a watermelon. And it's just spiky on the outside, and, and you, you break it open, and, and there are these pods inside with a, with a fruit. Um, it's a, a little bit bigger than an egg, and it's kind of gooey and sticky, and there's a big seed inside it, and you eat that, and it's, it's really delicious. It's, it's kind of got an onion, garlicky taste, um, and it has this effect on you that's like heartburn, but it enables you to taste that fruit for the next three or four days. Uh, It really is amazing. I lived in Atlanta um, in seminary housing when my dad was in school. And then in Micaville, North Carolina, which is in Yancey County, just on the other side of Burnsville, where the snows were long and deep. And I'm from Cherokee. I called Cherokee home for a long time. I did a lot of growing up in Cherokee. And then um, from Advance, somewhere between Moxville and Winston-Salem. I'm from Lake Junaluska. We lived in Larry and Ann Wilkinson's basement apartment. I'm from Lithuania, from Kaunas and Vilnius and Klaipeda. I'm from Asheville, and I'm from Waynesville, I'm from here, where I helped to lead a confirmation class and try to 
to, to point in the direction of Jesus. You know, John the Baptist uh, was a prophet. You know, a lot of times we think of prophets as those people who would um, foretell the future, like some kind of fortune teller with a crystal ball. But that actually wasn't the case. The prophets were those kind of spokespeople for God. God would, would raise up the prophets, I think in large part, just to kind of keep things in check. You know, the kings and the priests and people, um, they needed some help, I think, sometimes. It was kind of an identity thing. The role of the prophets was to, to remind us uh, what it means to, to be the people of God. Like, this is who we are, and, and this is where we're from, and maybe just as important, uh, this is where we're going. And so that day when, when John the Baptist uh, pointed in Jesus' direction, you know, uh, he had a lot of stories inside of him. His curiosity and, and his memories were old. When you think about it, his mom and dad. And so I think about John the Baptist as a kid and growing up in his house and the stories that he would have told. So I don't know, like if he's sitting with his dad, Zechariah, in the, in the den, uh, Zechariah smoking a pipe, reading the newspaper, I don't know, <laughs> like what that scenario would have been. But, you know, here's young John hearing his dad tell the story, the story, his story. I know in our house, whenever it's one of our kids' birthday, my wife Chan always just tells the story of that day, what she was feeling and what it was like, and uh, they get it every single year. <laughs> well, Zechariah, uh, he wasn't expecting this at all, and so he goes into the temple. It was his turn. They cast lots, and, and he got to go into the temple to serve because he was a priest, and he was going in to, to burn the incense, and an angel shows up. And an angel tells him, you know, God's heard your prayer. And Elizabeth, your wife's going to have a baby. And of course, Zechariah's like, well, how can that be? Like, I'm an old guy, and, and Elizabeth's getting up in years too. Kind of like, there's no way that can happen. But no, this angel, it's Gabriel, who said, this, this kid's going to be special. Um, and he's going to lead so many people to God. All the while this is happening inside the temple, outside there's just a crowd of people. They're, they're waiting uh, for Zechariah to come back out, and he doesn't come back out. And so there's this stir among the crowd. You can just imagine it. What's going on in there? Um, some figured out that maybe he was seeing a vision. And in this vision, uh, the angel Gabriel tells Zechariah that you're to name this child John because he's going like, to be like Elijah. And, and, and go before and prepare the way, and people are going to turn to God because of him. It's a pretty cool story. Well, because John, or because Zechariah didn't believe, uh, Zechariah couldn't talk when he came out. So, you know, there was buzz in the community. Well, sure enough, Elizabeth is with child. And so, I don't know, like if John's in you know, the, the other room or in the kitchen with, with his mom, Elizabeth, and I wonder, you know, if she would tell those stories too. She probably told the story of um, 
when their cousin Mary came because Mary kind of had a similar miraculous story and about what happened when, when Mary came to visit and, and John I think was six months in the womb and I mean, there's something going on there and John would have heard these stories. Maybe, you know, I wonder, like did Mary ever tell young John the, the story about Jesus? You know the community would have had stories. And I think about um, the shepherds who experienced that night. I mean, a lot of people saw a lot of angels. And the peace that was in the air. And the joy that was in the air. And they told their stories. So the community would have had them. He would have been surrounded by those, right? I'm sure some would have thought that they were crazy, there was gossip, this is exaggerated, it's an idle tale. But at the very least, it just sparked this curiosity. And John would have had that. His disciples too, I imagine. You know, it matters where we're from. It also matters where we've been. Matthew Blackburn, our director of youth ministries, um, he sent me a note the other day. In fact, I thought about asking Matthew. He was like, Matthew, you, you, need, to, you need to come in and, and share um, with the camera, you know, uh, the stuff that you share with me. But then I thought, you know, Matthew's so excited about this stuff, and he gets to talking so fast, I figured we'd be here all night because you can't understand half of what, <laughs> what he's saying. So I, I'll just share it on Matthew's behalf. But he was thinking about the fact that we've just started a new year and we're launching into it. And then when we're, and when we're thinking forward, that, that we, we think backwards too, like this, this place where we're from, this place where we've been. And I think it's kind of like, Matthew's like, you know, there's a lot of negative stuff and there's a lot of different stuff has happened, but he's like, there's so much amazing stuff too. And he started listing these things in his letter to me about all of the ways that we've grown in this past year. He talked about just our online worship, like what we're doing right now. He says, do you realize how far our embrace and our reach has gone with an online presence? And it's true. In fact, we just got an email the other day from some old friends, the Weathersby's. Uh, they moved out to Oregon, and, they're, and maybe y'all are watching now, watching from Oregon. <laughs> and they even said Scott needs to cut his hair. Isn't that crazy? Like somebody in Oregon knows that Scott needs to cut his hair. Um, and who knows where else? Uh, the, the stuff that we're doing right here in, in Little Waynesville, uh, how far that's going and, and how far that's spreading. Matthew talked about, um, you know how we had to kind of shut down so many of our ministries just because we can't be together, but this church didn't stop. It's like if we can't do this thing, then we're going to do that thing. And kind of the way that that floated to the surface was in we're feeding people. And Matthew says, we're, you know, he, he just pointed out, we're serving 200 families a week in a lot of different ways. Our, our Friendship House ministry, which was able to, to take place outside, like it's grown so much. We have like over 36 of our unsheltered neighbors who come for food um, and over 15 families um, who will drive up to the curb and, and we bring this all this amazing food uh, the numbers of people that are that are being fed and just across the street our relationship 
with, with uh, the residents and the towers just, just next door. Uh, Matthew said that, that every single week we're feeding 30 families and on Thanksgiving we, we fed 50 families a hot meal and on Christmas Day we fed over 60 people a hot meal. He said that our church uh, has partnered with other churches and with the police department, our Sunday school classes, um, to deliver food boxes to folks in our community. He reminded us of the ways that we've grown by listening to our community, uh, especially the, the Wednesday night thing, as he called it, um, and the stand that we've taken with Black Lives Matter, and our paying attention and our caring about uh, what's going on in our community. And he talked about the youth program, like how many new faces that we've got in the youth program, and that the youth program has um, gone on like three local mission trips. and. Like, our youth are the founding members of, what did he call it? Um, like, I didn't, even, I didn't even realize this was going on. Uh, the Haywood County Youth Conservation Corps. Did you know that? <laughs> but, but then he said, I, w I wanted to read what he said. As we start thinking about our world getting back to normal, we know that we can't. We are changed. And our calling is greater than it's ever been. When our doors open back up, they will be opened wider than ever, with more purpose than ever. And a clearer direction of knowing that our church's tradition is to constantly change to fit the needs of the community. Then he says, there's no going back, but just forward. He inspires me. And it makes me realize that, that Jesus' question, it, it's directed at me. Jesus looks me in the eyes and asks, what are you looking for? Where are you going? And I think if Jesus were to ask me the other one, where are you staying? I'll say I'm not. I'm not staying. I'm coming with you.